Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. These days, many people are down on the church, but Jesus isn't. It's common to hear people say that Jesus is invited to our church, but the reality is He invites us to His church family. As we come with open hearts, Jesus fills us with hope even in the darkest moments of our lives. After Jesus died on the cross, Jesus' followers were heartbroken, but Jesus showed up to encourage them and to fill them with hope. Jesus wants to do the same for you today, so let's meet with Jesus and His broken-hearted friends in Luke chapter 23. Here's Pastor Jim to conclude his message, Jesus, the Hopeful King. Verse 21, this, this is it. But we were hoping, we were hoping. I mean, this is what we were looking forward to. And it was shattered. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem or who was going to save us from the Romans and bless our nation. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Now, in the Old Testament, they would know the Old Testament. They would just call it the scriptures. Uh, the third day is, is a term for deliverance. And Jesus said that he would rise from the dead the third day. So what are they saying? They're saying that their hopes and their dreams were nailed to the cross. They have that feeling. And I know I'm not the only one who has this. They have that feeling of when God does not fulfill our hopes that all hope is lost. That feeling of when God does not fulfill our hopes, that all hope is lost. Do you know that feeling? I know that feeling all too well. Verse 22, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb astonished us. Now the version says they amazed us with what they said. Verse 23, when they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So they're basically saying, okay, so the women went and they saw angels who said he rose from the dead. And then a couple of our guys went, they didn't see him. So at this point, we're kind of skeptical. We're kind of skeptical. Where's the body? We know the tomb, we believe the tomb was empty, but where's the body? If you're here today or you're watching us online, you're a skeptic, welcome, 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 welcome. Former big skeptic here. So they're, they're walking along still. They're still talking to Jesus. They still don't know it's him. And they tell him the story. Some of our women went to the tomb. They found it empty. And some of our guys went and the body was gone. Now, the gospel of John, interesting, the gospel of John tells us that it was Peter and John, the apostle Peter and the apostle John, John, the writer of the gospel of John, who ran to the temple. Very funny. Uh, John makes note in the gospel that we know that he outran Peter to the temple. <laughs> My wife always says to me, you men are so competitive. And I say to her, it's very apostolic. <laughs> Even John lets us know <laughs> that he outran Peter. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're struggling in your faith right now, you may be right with these two guys that are walking with Jesus. You feel like you're walking along in, in darkness. 
and, and sadness. You're, you're walking in the unknown of the world. You know, it's easy for us to think that the people in the ancient world believed anything. Not so. They're not convinced that Jesus was raised from the dead. Yet, interesting, the Bible writers are very clear, and this is a very important point, that you don't have to see the risen Christ to know him. You don't have to see him to know him and trust him. Why? Because he is not far from you. He is not far from you. I don't know whether I got cut off in, in, the, in, the, in the message Friday night or not, but I was talking about how Pontius Pilate just couldn't shake Jesus. He couldn't shake him. And maybe that's you. Maybe you, you, you're, a, you're a skeptic. You don't believe, but you, you can't shake him. You're trying, but it's really, really hard for you. He, he's not far from you, even in the darkness. Well, how's that possible? How can you know? Well, from hope in the darkness, we move to number two. Jesus brings hope in the word. Verse 25, then he said to them, <laughs> oh, foolish ones. <laughs> now, some of your Bible versions clean that up a little. They're like, we can't, we can't write that. And it says, oh, how unwise of you. <laughs> he says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart oh, <laughs> to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. What is he saying? He's saying, you, you, you didn't believe what, what the scripture said. Ought not, some versions say, was, is it, wasn't it necessary for the Christ or the Messiah to have suffered these things and to, we might say, and then to enter his glory? Now, it's very interesting in, in that verse, the very heavy, those two verses, very heavy emphasis on the word all. Did it, didn't you know, didn't you believe, didn't you trust all that the prophet said, all that the scripture said, that it was, and the second uh, emphasis point is on ought or necessary, that it was necessary for him to suffer. They couldn't wrap their arms around a suffering Messiah. They thought it was going to be a guy who, you know, dropped bombs on the Roman Empire. They couldn't get their arms around this suffering servant. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he accepted or he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, some people call this the world's greatest Bible study. It's one I hope we get a videotape of when we get to heaven. So Jesus is teaching them in a fashion that the traumatic events of our lives, again, we're not minimizing the pain, as painful and as difficult as they are, do not have to be the end of hope, that they can actually be the beginning of hope. Jesus is reminding them and reminding us in good times and bad, you can trust the word of God. You can, you can trust that the Old Testament promises that, that pointed to Jesus. But here's the thing he's telling them. It's not just for the next life. He's like, guys, it, this, is, this, is, this is not just for the next life. Followers of Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins. All your sins in the past have been forgiven. We anticipate, we don't, we don't sin because we'll be, it'll be forgiven in the future because that's silly. The Apostle Paul said, should I sin? So grace should abound. We're supposed to go, no. But we anticipate our future sins will be forgiven as well. 
We have, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the word of God, all of which helps us to experience and know Jesus now, now. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about knowing Jesus now, as they're doing, walking with Jesus now, all the way, as Jesus did, into glory. Resurrection and the word of God shows us how Jesus and all followers of Jesus, what's a follower of Jesus? I, can't, I, I can barely bring myself to use the word Christian anymore. When people say to me, are you a Christian? I always say, could you please define for me what you mean by that word? And if anybody throws any religious terms at me, I always say, can you please define for me what you mean by that word? And I'll tell you whether I am that or not. But a follower of Jesus, someone who has turned from their sin to God, put their trust in Jesus instead of themselves, So resurrection and the word of God shows us that followers of Jesus, and it also shows us how followers of Jesus get from this world of suffering to eternal joy. Jesus is teaching us, the apostles teach us how to walk that walk from this point, the point of suffering and disappointment that everybody in the life goes through, all the way into glory. They missed, we often miss what Jesus taught that suffering precedes glory. Not that we're out looking for suffering, that's silly. But in a a world that has been really traumatized by sin, an earthquake, if you will, of the entire planet shaking, as it sometimes does, that, that, that we now live in a world of sin and suffering, but we have to live that life. Jesus shows us we have, to, we have to live the life of pain and suffering before we get to the life of glory. Jesus demonstrates it for us. Jesus must suffer and die before he really lives. The Apostle Paul wrote this, Romans 14, 9. After Jesus has ascended into heaven, for to this end Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Loved ones, we have to see this and we have to remember this. Again, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not minimizing anybody's pain. But we live in a world of suffering and death. So Jesus calls us to trust him. And whether today it's your first time or you've been walking with the Lord for many, many years, to trust him and to enter in daily to eternal life right now, right now. It's not like we're just holding on, waiting for heaven. Jesus has a lot for us here and now. It's kind of funny. It wasn't Jesus who was dead and joyless. It was these two. And that's why Jesus says to them, oh, foolish ones. You know, in our generation, you might expect him to say, oh, poor baby. I feel so bad for you. But instead, what does Jesus do? He, he wakes them up to a big problem. And notice the, the problem that he wakes them up to is not their failure to believe that the tomb was empty. He doesn't wake them up to the problem that, that the women 
said that the tomb was empty and they didn't believe him. He doesn't wake them up to the, like, why are you so sad or, or why are you so angry? The problem that he talks to them about is simply this. Why didn't you believe and trust the word of the Lord? Why didn't you believe and trust the Bible? Perhaps Jesus is saying, what you want is evidence is really a heart issue. It's really a trust issue. And, and because of that, Jesus is teaching a lesson to all of us that if we're not getting into the word and getting the word into us, we will love a life that is very unstable. What James talked about, the double-minded man, we have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. We're trying to straddle them, but we keep getting stretched and getting stretched. And Jesus says it's, it's this lack of getting the word of God into you that, that is producing this instability. Now, again, they still don't know it's Jesus. I think this tells us that it's more important to hear Jesus than it would be to physically see Jesus. That it's more important to seek Jesus in our pain before running to automatic relief of our pain. You know, Americans, we don't do so well with pain, do we? Like you got a headache for one second and you're like, oh, where's the Tylenol? Where's the Advil? <laughs> you see, Jesus wants us to go to him immediately. Why? Because he wants to grieve with us. He wants to walk with us through that pain. That's what he's doing with these guys. Otherwise, if we just immediately go to relief of pain, we'll do what so many do. We'll get Jesus wrong, not seeing that Jesus brings relief and hope to us in and through the word of God. And it takes time. Well, that brings us to number three. Jesus brings hope in the church. Or we could say the resurrection of Jesus brings hope in the church. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and he, Jesus indicated, or another version says he gave the impression that he would have gone farther. So he's like, all right, see you guys. But they were, but they constrained him or they were urging him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them. So you invite Jesus to stay with you, he'll do what? He'll stay with you. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Is this the last supper? I don't think so. Too many other variables to go into. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him or they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Verse 32 is a classic, classic verse. You might want to circle it in your Bible. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? You know, it's not uncommon to sense the presence of God before you know it's the presence of God. It's not uncommon to have this sensation going on in your heart and your soul. And then you're like, oh, I know what that was. That was the Lord. So here's a, here's a key if you want to stay in the Christian life for the long haul. And this is why a lot of people don't stay in it for the long haul. People say, were they, were they saved or were they not saved? And you could talk about that on your own after <laughs> and ruin your Easter if you want. But, but 
a key to staying in the Christian life for the long haul is to keep hearing and studying the word of God and putting it into your heart. Why? Because that's how Jesus gets your heart to burn. I mean, we're just, a lot of us are just expecting. Some people are like, well, I listen to Christian radio and I hope my heart burns. Usually I listen to music on the way into church. Today I just listen to Christian radio. My heart was not burning. <laughs> it was not burning. I was like, oh, bad. W- walking with Jesus like a true follower of Jesus, they want more of him, not less. So they urge him to stay with them. You see, they, they thought Jesus was their guest, but they were wrong. Jesus was their host. That's why sometimes I hear people say, oh, Lord, we invite you to be with us. No, Jesus is the one who invites us. Jesus is the one who is knocking on our hearts. It's not the other way around. They thought as they were walking before they realized who it was, that Jesus was clueless and blind to the events of the cross, but they were clueless and blind. There's another divine passive. When they recognized it was him and then he vanished, that means that the Lord graciously opened their eyes and then he left. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, so it's not like he leaves them high and dry. And would you do me a favor? Would you just quickly pray right now for the people in this room and all the other rooms in the church where people are watching? God would open eyes right now. Maybe, maybe you could get in your car on the ride home. If you're married, grab your spouse's hand and just, just put your head down real quick and say, God, would you please open the eyes of the people in the next service and make it a point, maybe at dinner when you say grace or, or each day at some point in time, just say, Lord, would you open the eyes of everybody who walks through the doors of our church Would you open the eyes of Northwest New Jersey? Would you open the eyes of Washington, D.C.? Would you open the eyes of our country as you are opening eyes in other places of the world? And then it occurs to them after he left. It's like they looked at each other and said, didn't our burdened hearts turn into burning hearts as we were with him and as we heard him? You see, friends, that's the call of the church to teach people from the youngest to the oldest to explain the word of God and let their hearts catch on fire for Jesus. It's the call of every follower of Jesus to sit at a table or stand in the park or go for a walk or get on the phone or a Zoom call to share time with others and talk about the wonders of the Lord. Isn't it interesting? And this is the story of, of, for many of us, at first, so annoyed by Jesus. <laughs> like, just get out of our face, man. We're having a serious conversation. We need some clueless guy from Jerusalem to come talk to us. And now they can't get enough of him. They don't want him to leave. But Jesus does. And so do they. Verse 33. So they rose up that very hour and, notice, no delay, full of joy, returned to Jerusalem and found the 11, Judas is no longer there, and those who are with them gathered together, saying, and it's the apostles talk first, before they get to tell their story. You know why the apostles talk first? 
because men are very competitive. That's why, uh, that's, uh, why they get to talk first. Saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. That's Peter. And they told, these are the two men walking to Emmaus, or it may have been Cleopas and his wife, we don't know. And the things that, that happened on the road and how he had known, was known to them in the breaking of bread. They simply told the story. That's all we need to do is simply tell the story. So here we have this kind of early church meeting, a group of doubters. You may not know this, but it's largely believed that most of the apostles were in their late teens or early 20s. <laughs> We don't, we, don't, we don't put much responsibility in people like that, do we? I, I was 19 years old, worked at a factory, a father and two sons, and the owner comes up to me near the end of the summer, my first summer job there, and he says to me, we're leaving, going to go on vacation next week, you're in charge of the factory. I said, What? <laughs> what? And I said, what about the chief foreman? And they said, it was his idea. We need to take more of a chance on young people. We do. And so this group of doubters becomes a group of committed followers of Jesus Christ who tell the story to the world of the risen king, and they change the world. They change the world just by telling the story. Now they can face this world with hope because of the certainty of the resurrection and the presence of Jesus and because of the word of God, which points us to the way and wisdom of Jesus, which is simply why here at this church, we teach the word of God the way we do. We don't use it, we teach it. Otherwise, if we don't, I'm afraid we'll end up like these two were, and most people are, thinking we know about God when we really don't. You know, I've said to you many times before, I've gone to, on hospital visits and if I could summarize so often the sentences of so many of the people in our church that have just grabbed me in tears and have basically said this to me, thank you for teaching me about God. Just that. Like, like, like God had already done everything before I got there. <laughs> not like, how could this happen? Why could this happen? What's going on? They're not saying they don't struggle, but, but by going through the word of God, we, we might not agree with God. <laughs> We might not totally get him, but yet we see these examples of heartache turned to glory and we think, okay, it's going to be okay. So where do I start? Romans chapter 10, verse nine through 11 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the judgment of God for your sin and unbelief. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth is made unto confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes or trusts on him will not be put to shame. Jesus is the hopeful king. Jesus comes to us in our darkest moments of trauma, of pain, of despair, heartache, suffering, because he knows for his people, they're on the path to glory. And he wants to walk that path with you. We can find Jesus. We find him in his word. That's where we meet Jesus. He will open our hearts. He will open our eyes. He will open our minds. And he will open our mouths. 
He will fill us with hope, with the certainty of his faithfulness. And you can have that. You can have that. As each week we gather and we learn and we experience together the greatest privilege on earth. You say, what's that? Knowing Jesus Christ. That is the greatest privilege on earth. The first step to knowing Jesus is putting your trust in Jesus. After that, each day, walking with Jesus, trusting in the risen King that he is walking with you, and he will fill your heart and refill your heart because a lot of times the hope leaks out of our heart, right? He will fill and refill your heart with hope and the certainty of his promises that he has made to you, even in the midst of trauma and pain and suffering on your path, which was his path to glory. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.